Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Joe told her with a straight face that today he would score 12 to 15 points in the NBA. <laughs> this guy is a confident dude. This is a whole nother national okay. league. And he's like, yeah, I could go over there and get a bucket. I'm just letting you know, cool Joe, you don't have to tell him he got it. He know that. Well, Renee, another uh, huge weekend in the NFL. It was Championship Sunday. Uh, the Rams and the Bengals are on their way to Super Bowl 56 uh, to make the traffic here in Los Angeles even crazier. <laughs> um, as big as that news was, you could argue that the bigger news was the end of the Tom Brady era. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington reported over the weekend that Tom Brady's 22, 22 your career uh, in the NFL is coming to an end. What's your takeaway on, on hearing that uh, Tom Brady is retired? And again, like it, he can't, his dad came out and was like, he's not retiring. And then there was this weird like scuttlebutt on whether he was or wasn't, or whether it was just like a timing issue or whatever. It seems like he is retiring. So what's, what are your thoughts? You know, my thoughts are, first of all, it's like it's tough because in this media era there, you can't hold nothing like nothing can be a secret and released unless you're Beyonce and you drop a whole album on us. That's the only person <laughs> at this point that has successfully like hidden something and dropped it on us a whole project. So I hate that for him. If he really was trying to retire, I hate that. Yeah. Like he's going to have to rework things, but also in the same breath. He has a really good team around him and how they're doing their content and yep. everything. So I feel like this is going to be a, like, it's not going to just be like, hey, yeah, you guys heard about this and it's true. I feel like they're going to do something like something has to something dope is going to be made out of this. And so I know that they're not going to just allow this somebody else to basically make his announcement. Like they're going to have to do something that makes his announcement bigger than Adam Schefter's announcement. Because right <laughs> now, Adam Schefter is the man of the hour. He's the man in the arena and everybody's talking about him. So to me, I'm like, man, I just hate it because I know that like I have projects that I'm planning right now that are secret. Nobody knows about it. And I would be so bummed if like Whoa! somebody, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. We yeah. got stuff happening. <laughs> but no, I would be bummed if somebody just like, Told everybody before I could tell everybody. What are, like, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are, okay, aside from, you know, the colossal shadow that he casts over sports and the NFL in particular, the immense changes that ha the country and the world have undergone in 22 years. You're talking like four presidents ago at this point. <laughs> like, aside from all that, the weird rollout of... Tom Brady's retiring. Tom Brady's not retiring. My galaxy brain conspiracy theory <laughs> on that whole bungle is that this is somehow a tie-in to uh, the cryptocurrency exchange platform FTX that Brady is a, a sponsorship partner with and has a, a notable commercial with. Because, like, 
the plot of the commercial in which Tom Brady is on the golf course and he's golfing and then at one point he gets an alert on his phone and he says, hold on, there's a trade coming up. And he starts trading crypto, but everybody around him is like, oh, my God, Tom Brady's requesting a trade. He's going here. He's going there. And then the whole <laughs> sports yeah. news media just rolls on thinking Tom Brady's going to be traded. And then he at the end of it, the commercial is like FTX is the safest and easiest way to buy and sell crypto. It's the best way to get in the game. It feels like weirdly too close <laughs> to the plot it of that commercial. Similar. Like, is it a tie? Like, there is there some weird tie in to his FTX partnership. It just like Did that is my one conspiracy thing. Like, is he in on this? Is this your galaxy brain might be onto something because there is some bizarre similarities. Although I don't know, but that would be a wild, wild, wild thing if this was all part of a scheme and the whole world is in on it now for four days. That would be crazy. So. I was watching SportsCenter last night with Scott Van Pelt and um, Seth Wickersham was on. Who knows? Who's like more connected, of course, in Patriots slash Brady world than probably anybody has written books, et cetera. Um, and he was on there talking about how, you know, after seven Super Bowl championships, five Super Bowl MVPs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that Tom was like part of what made him ready to retire was that he is like – so excited about his post career transformation, like as excited. It, it, Seth was saying stuff like, "Oh, people around him, close to him, are saying that he's he sounds as excited about his like post career stuff as he's uh, been excited about football in the past." And so, mm. like that was, which to me, and he's listen, he's got the TB twelve Sports, which is like his fitness and wellness yep. uh, company. He's got the 199 Productions, which is, uh, you know, his various entertainment holdings. His clothing line uh, just dropped. Clothing line, Brady Brand. So there are these things, but I got it. It's weirdly like, of course he's going to say that, but it feels like spin a little bit, all of which is to say, if you were sick of Tom Brady all these years because he's winning and stomping out your team and like always there at the end, the dragon to be slain that never seemingly got slain except for the giants in, in a very famous uh, Super Bowl. Um, get ready because yeah, for the next year, at least he's going to be more in your face than ever because the necessary engagement to launch all of these endeavors and the way that they need to be launched to, to provide that like post a uh, career transition for Brady means that he's just going to be everywhere promoting all of this stuff. He's just going to be in your face. Yes. And to that point, you got to think like all the things that are already being laid down, the foundation that's being laid down out loud. We're naming all the things that's out loud that we already know has been <laughs> yeah. announced. Like these aren't things that are like coming right. soon. Right. Those are things that are here right now. I want you guys to imagine all the things that are not yet announced for Brady. That's the thing. And, and you know, it might, it could be spin to what they're trying to do, but I actually believe it in a sense of, I think that the conversation for Tom Brady is shifting a little bit in a sense of everybody knows he's the GOAT. Everybody it's almost kind of like, yeah, yeah, Tom Brady's the GOAT. <laughs> I don't think that he would enjoy the, yeah, yeah, he's the GOAT. I think he likes to be in the mix and into the thick of things. And I think even now with his news being leaked, the media is the thick of things. Like people are starting to realize more and more that the media controls a lot of things that happen. So he's a player that has to deal with the media on a normal basis and navigate it. Now he's going to be a part of the media to your point of 
he's going to be everywhere. And he has a wife that just so happens to be a mega star as well. Mega we haven't seen any family endeavors at all yet, but we know that there's a family situation there. So I just think that Tom Brady's in the media now. He has a wife that's a superstar model that's done a gazillion things. I think that we have no a gis- idea. A gazillion things. A gazillion things, right? <laughs> yes. And I think we have no idea how crazy this is going to get with Tom Brady. That production company could already have four projects that's greenlit, that's already filmed, oh. that's about to drop. To your point, for sure. He the like that goat status. I think he is excited that people are going to have to say, "Wow, he's just as good as everything else as he is at football." I, I think you're absolutely right about that. And listen. Watching your loved one get chased around by like 280 pound guys who are trying to kill him. It can't, and that can't be fun to do that for years and years and years and years. No. Um, So, of course. Uh, But, you know, like it'll be fascinating to see what happens. But, like, listen, your Tom Brady is not really going to go anywhere. He's, if anything, my prediction is he'll be more in our face than ever. Renee, that was the sound of Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, handsome Jimmy throwing what amounted to a season-ending interception at the tail end of Niners-Rams on Sunday, proving that handsomeness is not everything. Cannot It cannot fulfill all your winning needs. It bookended a playoff run so far in which six games have been tied in the fourth quarter, which equals the amount of the last three postseasons combined. Uh, now that Matt Stafford and Joe Burrow, Joe Franchise, the man with five different nicknames at any given time, have both led their teams to the promised land. What are your thoughts on on uh, Joe Burrow in particular as he ascends the NFL mountain in really amazing fashion? What are, what are your thoughts on, on Joseph? Cincinnati Bengals hero. Listen, first of all, like LSU fans – Tried to tell us. I want to. I want to just say that out loud because I follow a lot of them, and they have. They're been, always talking, though. They're they are, but you got to give people credit when they're right. Even yeah, this is right. true. So they have been saying this cool Joe franchise Joe, whatever you want to call it, Joe. They've been saying that like he's the most confident dude you'll ever meet. That he does. He has it. <laughs> that he can do it. Everything that he was doing at LSU, he can do it the next level. And everybody was like, yeah, 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 you know, you know, yeah, cool yeah, Joe. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, here comes this guy rocking puff jackets and chains right up to the <laughs> NFL playoffs. And and you know what? There's nothing we can say about it because the past three years, I read a little tweet or a stat. I heard it somewhere. You know, I just hear things because we're on we're in these streets. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they were like, it's a stat that like he's having an incredible run. No other quarterback, if he goes on to win. No other quarterback will have gotten a Heisman, won an NCAA championship, and won a Super Bowl. And Cool Joe, this franchise dude, might have done it in his second year in the NFL. Look, I don't care how much LSU fans were talking. They gave us something to talk about because this guy, it's it's incredible what he's done. And I look, I know a lot of things had to go right. It's not just Cool Joe, but... 
the quarterback yeah, is your franchise. And so I just, I mean, and now we see all these young guys. I mean, there were, there were a lot of things that had to go right. Uh, Kansas City was up, what was it, 21-3? Yeah. Should have won the game. Mahomes said as much after the game. You could talk about the kind of interesting decision to go for a dagger play at the end of the first half that led to no touchdowns in the second half. Whatever. I'll just say that I have not, I can't remember an athlete who has seemingly had like the glow <laughs> on on them as early and as consistently as Joe Burrow. You know, there's like that saying on, you see it on TikTok a lot, like this person, uh, this is the main character. It feels like Joe Burrow is the freaking main character. And I hate to say that, but it, it does, it really feels like that. Like he had plays where he's like scrambling out of the pocket on Sunday where, you know, the famous one where he should have been sacked like two times in the second half. And it, it's not even that he's fast like Mahomes or that he's big like Josh Allen or it just feels like there's like a little angel on his shoulder that goes spin <laughs> now. You know, like, like, like lift your, lift your foot now. You know, like just got angels what in the outfield. What in the world? <laughs> you know, because he just like has that, has that demeanor and that vibe where it seems like he's never particularly worried about anything like not but too that's, high or that's too low. what people talk about the most yeah. with him. it's the confidence like i mean everybody there's there's a lot of confident players like always you know yeah, but yeah. the confidence that he has and the way people talk about his confidence is like it's different like it's not like a oh this guy yeah he's a confident dude that's what propels him no they, these people are like no, you can't tell Joe he's not the greatest. Joe, I saw Taylor Brooks <laughs> tweeted, Joe told her with a straight face that today he would score 12 to 15 points in the NBA. Like, that, this is the, <laughs> I, just to put it in perspective. Wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, I got to see Joe Burrow's, like, height and weight. in <laughs> perspective, this guy is a confident dude. This is a whole other okay. national basketball association league and he's like yeah i could go over there and get a bucket i'm just letting you know cool joe you don't have to tell him he got it he know that like he knows that and maybe that's the little angel in the outfit on his shoulder it's him it's another joe what a comeback by the hawks in the fourth quarter seven straight wins and they take down the lakers renee first of all congratulations on the resurgent atlanta hawks you called it you called it here i believe it was two weeks ago uh hawks about to go on a run uh and they are (laughs) they're absolutely doing that trey went ice trade this weekend in los angeles in uh in bombastic fashion uh and my knicks uh, no comment. We can talk about that <laughs> later on in this segment. But uh, what's going on with the turnaround? You predicted it, but here it is. It's happening. It's happening. And it's here right now. And what's interesting about the whole thing is that, like, it's so similar to last year. So I don't, you know, I don't know. I know we all know that Trey had that quote that said he's bored and, the, you know, it's not like the the playoffs. And I don't think he meant it the way it came out, but it came out. Sure. And so, there was a lot of heat for that. And everyone was kind of wondering, well, when is the, the gear is going to get back in place? This is almost like a weak difference from last year. It's when we so went on this, weird. It's, it's so, so bizarre. Weird. 
are. Like we went on a crazy run last year. I think we had won. I don't know how many, but it was like nine in a row. Then we lost one and won another four or something like that. Right now we're sitting at a seven game win streak. Why the turnaround? Well, first of all, we decided to play a little defense. So it all started when we defense, made a trade. But massively improved. We, we, we made a yeah. trade and we got energy that we wanted in the locker room. Um, th- you can't ignore that because it's, there's just so much that has happened dramatically different since. So we traded Cam Reddish and he didn't yep. want to be there. So there's no harm, no foul. He didn't want to be there. And we yep. parted ways. That word that I can't say, amicably. That word. <laughs> um, so we parted ways, but it's just like there was a buy-in after that on defense. Yeah. DeAndre Hunter's back. We get Bogey back. We get uh, Danilo Gallinari back. So we start to get healthy again, just like everyone else. And then our bench. So I want to just read some stats from our bench. Since the Hawks' win streak began, and this was before our last game yesterday, our bench has led the league in bench offensive rating, bench net rating, bench plus minus, bench assist ratio, bench true shooting percentage, bench effective field goal percentage, and bench player impact. That's like, we've led the whole league in that since we started streaking. So shouts to Mike, Mike Conti too for those stats. But what's happened is our bench has, is looks different. Bogey's coming off the bench, but man, I'm just, it's like, it's fun. It's, it's fun to watch defense and energy. And it's like, we like playing together again. It's so crazy. What's going um, on, though, Jason? I mean, I know you. What are your? Well, first of all, what are your? What are your comments on the Hawks? Like, what have you? Because we did talk about this two weeks ago, and we were kind of both in the same position two weeks ago. I think you hit it on the head. You know, I think that there was not that there was strife, but there were, you know, some people pulling in some different directions who wanted different things, maybe to be featured more. Cam Reddish has been vocal about wanting to do more on the offense and be featured more. Um, you know, John Collins has made similar comments, not to that level, but just more of like, uh, where do I fit in, in the scheme of stuff? And they've just kind of like st- fallen in line now and solidified behind they're healthy now, which is huge. They kind of are filling into the roles that they had last season. Uh, and that's allowed them to find that same success. I think, you know, when it comes to my team, the uh, the bedraggled New York Knicks, currently 12th in the Eastern Conference, they've dropped six of their last seven. You're on a seven-game win streak where we've dropped six of the last seven. It's a lot of, it's a lot of the problems that the Hawks were going through previous to this run in that people in roles seemed unhappy in their roles, still seem unhappy in their roles, are not producing in the way that they should be. We've got the similar issue of you in that our bench is like amazing and our starters are absolutely every, it's like every time I turn on a Knicks game and I'm, I'm following the stats, it's like where every starter is minus 20, like within yikes by the end of the first quarter, every starter is minus 20. We have like four of the slowest players in the league. Uh, You know, Kemba, Julius, Mitch uh, and Evan Fournier and RJ Barrett. So we have a, we play an extremely plodding pace and then the bench comes in and it's, you know, Obi Toppin, Grimes, Emmanuel quickly. And everybody's like, Oh my God, this is incredible. What, it, what, it, like, why can't it's, they're just running. They're just running <laughs> faster than the, than the starters. Like, I hate to say that's what it is, but like there's a place for, slower pace but when that is 
like married to inefficient offense and bad defense, it's a bad look. So that's part of the problem. And then the other part of the problem, basketball can be really simple sometimes. Our best player is Julius Randle still. He's still our best guy. And he's just not producing anywhere near the level he was last year which do you think he's trying because i saw tweets that people are starting to complain that they like the fourth quarter in particular of your last game people um on the internet are kind of just saying that you can see like i don't know if he's lost his confidence he's lost his interest he's lost something but people are starting to say that he looks a little disinterested well there's a clip in there's a clip in particular that Knicks fans have been kind of sharing which is it was during the Bucks game which was you know a competitive game for most of it and and then we lost but that's fine to a team of the, the caliber of the Bucks who have been struggling themselves but, but that's neither here nor there but like late in the game there was a huddle and Julius is just like nowhere near it now he wasn't on the floor at the time but you know I I think people expect of a team's leader that they would be involved in the play call close to the close to the the board talking mentoring to the younger players now i think that when combined with you know it's it i'd hate to say that a guy isn't playing hard but it has seemed at times like he was checked out it, to the point where you know part of the conversation in nick's circles fan circles was like is there something else going on with Julius? Like, is there, is there another thing? Because it really, he's really seemed checked out. I think what's notable is the national TV game, uh, Nick's heat last week, Jeff Van Gundy just went in. Yeah. Like on the starters on Randall in particular, you got to look at the best player and you just got to see through action and body language an absolute unquenched desire to to win like that's you, you've got to have that people have to feed off of that obviously the implication being like that they don't have that now that was that was interesting to me because Sibs and Jeff and Gundy are close they've you know Sibs was the defensive coordinator, the assistant coach for numerous Jeff Van Gundy teams from the Knicks to the Rockets. And I feel like Jeff wouldn't say anything about a Tibbs team that he wasn't sure Tibbs was okay with. So this felt a lot to me like Jeff talking to the front office because, you know, sometimes these lineups have been very confusing and there's a line of a thought out there that says, well, maybe it's not, Tom Thibodeau, maybe it's the front office, maybe it's Leon Rose and the Knicks leadership who are saying, you got to play these guys, you got to figure it out. If if for nothing else, then to maintain the trade value of yeah. a player like Alec Burks or whatever. What do you think? Do you, does that feel like, does that feel right to you? Do, do, do you? Have you ever been in a situation where you have to criticize, you, you, you know of someone who like clears it with someone who they're close with before criticizing their team in a certain way? Well, I mean, just for me, even when I, I do NBA games, you know, there's yeah. there's media time where I, you can talk directly to the coach. So yeah, that could have just been a conversation where, you know, in shoot around, you're asking the coach. So what's the deal? Like, who's your leader and how are they leading? Like, yeah. what, like where you could just ask a question and a coach could say something like, well, like off the record, 
So that basically like they're giving you permission to say it, just not say they said it. But a coach will just be like, you know, off the record, it's been yeah. tough. We got, you know, our leader is the guy that's the least interested in it. If you have a leader yeah. that, you know, like and then you can say whatever you want now that it's off the record. So I I have seen that many times. I mean, that's how people usually say things they don't want to say themselves or don't want to be yeah. quoted. They just hit you with a simple like off the record to give you context and then you can say it and you can have comfort in saying it because you know that it's the truth because you heard it straight from the coach, but you don't quote the coach. So I think you're on to something. I mean, and, and the fact that they're close and they know each other would make that more comfortable to say the off the record because that's a, a relationship based thing. Some people you don't say something off the record, too, because they're going to just say yeah. you said it. So that makes sense now, here, what you're saying. The other wrinkle to the Julius criticisms that have bowled up is you know, we talked earlier about the kind of like famous thumbs down that he was asked about and 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 he said it was shut the fuck up. He had not spoken to the media. The Knicks had held him out basically since January 11th. He, when, Who held uh, him out? So the Knicks did it or he so it was unclear. He just was not available for like seven or eight games. Right. I and remember. then after after the Clippers uh, game on January 23rd, he, he was available and was asked about it. And he said you know, among other comments about like still wanting to be here, which is never great when people are asking that question. But, yeah. you know, just he he said, quote, I appreciate Mr. Dolan, owner of the Knicks. He's great. But the reaction was just the team didn't make me available. So it, that's the other thing. It, like, listen, Julius is the leader of our team. He's got it, especially particularly after losses. You just have to be there. And it's not fun. No, I wouldn't want to do it either. But I just feel like you have to be that person who answers the questions at, you know, at some point. And so it's been a really rocky road. And again, it's not, it's not like some algebra problem. It's just our best players are not playing well. Sadly, that is the case. Speaking of Knicks, uh, joining us now is Charles Oakley, Knicks legend. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Joining us now, he is the ninth overall pick in the 1985 draft, a 19-year NBA pro with the Bulls, the New York Knicks, the Raptors, the Wizards, the Rockets, and the author of a new memoir titled The Last Enforcer, Outrageous Stories from the Life and Times of One of the NBA's Fiercest Competitors. We are absolutely thrilled and a little intimidated to have Charles <laughs> Oakley here with us today. Oak, how are you? Good, good. Thank you. Uh, hey. 
I'm just ready to get going. I'm so excited about this book. And uh, just, you know, just the time and effort and Frank Azola put into it and really going to pay off. Uh, it's a really fascinating book. Uh, what made you feel like now is the time to tell these stories? Well, uh, just, you know, I've been out of the league for, you know, 18, 17, 18 years, 19 years, something like that. Uh, been, you know, thinking about a lot of stuff, you know, how, what's going to be the next avenue and this and that. Uh, but I wanted to write this book a long time ago, but now it's a good time because the pandemic, people are home. I can really get more detail with people who in life want to see, people in life like the 80s and 90s. So this book is a lot about the 80s and 90s and how the game was really played. You know how the West was won. That's how the game was played back in the days. <laughs> Listen, you said 90s and you, I'm a 90s baby. So I 100% am curious because you said that you were one of the guys who made Michael Jordan tough and everybody knows how yes. res resilient Michael Jordan is. So how do you go about that? Like, how did you go about making MJ a resilient player during those early 90 days in, in Chicago? Well, basically he was the house. I was the furniture. So once you get a house, you got to add furniture to make it look good. So I was the house inside <laughs> the house and making look good. But no, he's a special type guy. I think, <laughs> When I came into the league, it was a tough league. You had to be tough-minded. So uh, it's some of that instilled in him when he got into the league. And he added on. And, you know, being around me, seeing me, handling things, handling people, making sure everything okay. I think a little of that rubbed off. But inside, he he has the toughness already with him. He just needed to uh, see another blueprint of it and add more to him. And that's why, you know, what he do every night on the court when he was playing, you know, trying to take your uh, – Apart from guys, so that was him. So there. wait, so so you said you he saw how you were handling things. So what would you say your method of handling things? Like what did he see firsthand? Just me being a a genuine guy for us, like crafty and for us, like my professional on the court, off the court, and how I handle the situation. As a young guy, so I came to the Bulls. They had three power forwards. I didn't like so I'm gonna wait till my turn. I said, my term is now. I mean, I just got drafted. So <laughs> I didn't wait. I just knocked the dough down. I like that. <laughs> what did it mean to be an enforcer for for MJ, for the Knicks? What was that role like? And is that a role that really exists anymore? I guess it's something in life. Uh, you know, uh, when you grow up, people give you nicknames, this and that. So when they gave me the enforcer, you know, the force always had been with me, and the force is just probably, you know, like baking a cake. That was the icing on the cake. <laughs> and people call me that. But uh, it was it was great. Uh, you know, just, you know, I just I just handle things and, you know, make sure everything mm -hmm. was okay around all my teammates when I played with them. But uh, MJ, we had a different kind of bond because uh, he took me as a rookie. He took me to the All-Star game. That was, you know, once after I went to the All-Star game with him and I made it through that, I knew I could make it through life with him. I love that. Some people might be surprised by that relationship because you then you were then traded to the Knicks, yes. where uh, you uh, y'all were fierce, fierce rivals of the Chicago Bulls, uh, leaving blood, sweat, and tears out on the court. First of all, what was what was the yeah. chemistry of that Knicks team like? And did it was it ever was it ever an issue that y'all were friends off the court when you guys are going uh, so eye to eye, tooth to tooth on the court? Well, um, I think Pat Riley made an issue of it. Uh, you know, we were fast and nice, but, you know, one another. Uh, to me, it didn't bother me. Um, my thing was that he came to home. He get the same as uh, 
Reggie Miller, uh, Miss Richmond, whoever, you know, it was my job to shut down the paint. So, yeah, it was great. You know, it was great when I playing with him. Then it was great playing against him. But he's just one of them guys that uh, he don't care who in front of him. He's still going to try to go out and perform the best of his ability. You know, you brought up Pat Riley, and you said playing for him was like going from being in the reserve in the military to becoming a Navy SEAL. Like, what is what does that mean? And and can you describe the kind of coaching that was involved in the NBA at that time? Well, it was a lot of in, in I was in Chicago. I went through a couple of coaches. New York went through five or six. But uh, Pat Riley, you know, he he was he always get you prepared. No, never then said nothing bad about that. He gonna work you. He gonna make the moment. Late game, you got legs, so body fat. He do all that stuff. Um, he was just a different coach. Uh, he, I never had a coach like him my whole career uh, for his like highest detail, how he present stuff, and how, his game planning for every you know for games and stuff. Uh, he, you know, he won a championship in LA, came to New York. We went to the final, but we lost. But I mean, he just has his way. He's a control guy. Uh, you know, he did, I think he did the same thing in Miami with LeBron and all them. Somebody said that might be the reason why he left, but I don't know. <laughs> Do you think that can survive? Do you think that type of coaching with how the empowered athlete is moving? You know, you talked about it, the control factor. There's a lot that's controlled when you deal with a Pat Riley. Do you think that that can sustain with the new age of athlete? I think that when he uh, retired, I mean, went to be Miami uh, GM and all that, he had a chance to sit back and watch Fred GM and president. He still had a chance to sit back and watch when the year they won the first championship with Wave and Shaq, he came back and coached that team. And he see like he had op- loosened up a little. So he had came out a couple of times that he should adjust early while he was still coaching. And so when he came back, he knew what to do. So he won the championship. Yeah. So I can say he did adjust, but I wish he would adjust when I was playing with him in 94. <laughs> uh- uh, you mentioned uh, uh, writing this book with Frank Isola, Frankie Ice. How how, how did y'all work together? Like, what was the process like of 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 bringing these stories out? Well, it was hard because you know Frank got like five jobs, so uh, <laughs> we were trying to get <laughs> two hours in here, two hours in there, and we just you know we just kept piecing together because it was a lot of thought and and time went into this book. If you you know once you read it, you can see that. It wasn't just like I give Frank an outline. He just tried to, you know, follow the outline. Yeah. Um, so my details, his research over the years, what happened numbers-wise, details. So we had to, basically, we, was working, we did a good job working together. We could have been, uh, we could have been a, uh, maybe a group. We could have been two lead singers, and both have our own roles as singers. <laughs> I love that. And so I'm curious because, you know, you lead singers. And when you think about the celeb status of everything, that era you were playing in, it was huge. But there was also a celebrity following when you guys were filming Space Jam. And, you know, you mentioned a long list of celebrities that showed up to see you guys play while filming. So what was that experience like? And and who showed up? I'm just curious, like, who was there? I mean, L.A. Who else in L.A. (laughs) had had a car? And then we was at the, the parking lot. And, and we was inside a bubble. We, we was inside a bubble. I mean, it was like at least five, six thousand watch a pickup inside a bubble. Wow. It was wow. like that amazing. That's crazy. That was amazing that how they pulled that off. I don't know what happened with LeBron when they shot Space Jam, but uh it was real nice. Hollywood was Hollywood was in the Space Jam in the bubble in the parking lot. And it was were they it, cheering? Was it like a real game? Oh, it was in there? it was like, yeah, it was like, you know, everybody was, you know, pulling 
Pull their pants up, tighten the shoes up. Go. <laughs> so if you lose, you got to wait three or four games. They might want to wait. Because the stars That's have... Crazy. So if you had to wait, so you had to sit on the side, talk to the stars for a couple and of days. Name a and, and name a couple of the players that were there, just because I want to like paint the picture for people of what I would have showed up to. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'd have oh, been one of that five thousand. Anybody who building. had a name, just about <laughs> the guys was in Space Jam showed up. You had, you know, MJ. I mean, everybody. Feel. Uh, I mean, uh, it was everybody who was playing back in the area was in the, you know, there was there in the movie was, and, but he wasn't filming. They was there playing. They played only played about five games, but still though, they was there. Wow. Yeah. Um. Uh, finally, is uh, any any predictions for this NBA season, Charles? What, uh, as you're watching the games, it's, any, it's, any it's, anybody jump out as finals contender, uh, potential finals candidate? Well, you know, they were saying uh, in the East probably Brooklyn and Milwaukee favorite. In the West, probably be Phoenix or Golden State. Yeah. If you ask me, I don't know who's gonna be there until maybe <laughs> you know once the conference start, you know, the playoffs start. A couple of rounds go past, but right now it's just everybody beating everybody. But it got you know I think Phoenix against Stride, Brooklyn still trying to find this up, Milwaukee trying to pick it up, uh, Philly. You know they, they don't know what Simmons is gonna do, and out in the Lakers. I mean they still waiting on the bus. <laughs> they missed the bus. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. We ain't one lose one. It can happen when they beat a bad team. They beat Orlando, they feel happy. Then go lose to Miami, down 20-something. And I don't know. I know LeBron probably ain't happy what's going on. But, uh, oh, for sure. I think I was I'm, – I'm hoping he can pull the Lakers together because mm. it'd be sad for – you got four Hall of Fames on the team and you could be yeah. like a play-in team. His name is Charles Oakley. He played 19 seasons in the NBA. And his new book, The Last Enforcer, is out today wherever you get your books Charles, thank you for joining. Take Yes. On. Thank you. Thank you. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. A uh, lot going on in the world of international football right now. Uh, Canada just uh, beat the U.S. men's national team in World Cup qualifiers. Uh, Kylian Mbappe, after after much uh, rumor mongering, is finally seems ready to move to Real Madrid. Uh, African Cup of Nations news, uh, but. We're going to talk to Liz Ward today, program director of Stonewall, Europe's biggest LGBTQ organization, uh, about developments in recent weeks regarding uh, homophobic chants that have mainly been 
targeted against uh, Chelsea Football Club. Liz, thank you for joining us at Take One. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks. Okay, Liz. Uh, so recently, the Crown Prosecution Service uh, ruled that uh, the the chant in particular was a hate crime. Bring us through those developments and what exactly the context for these decisions were. Yeah, so this this news broke about um, a couple of weeks over the last couple of weeks, and it's really fascinating. So Chelsea Football Club, as many people will know, is uh, based in kind of central West London, and the area of Chelsea is pretty affluent. But in the kind of sixties and seventies, was a place that was uh, populated by many young gay men who had to leave home because of their identity and found themselves uh, working as sex workers uh, in that area. And so what we've seen for decades is the Chelsea Football club team every time they are playing a game every time their fans are around there is there is a particular homophobic chant that is directed towards the players towards the fans towards the coaching staff and it has been going on for for quite literally decades and what we've seen um towards the end of uh, 2021 so most of this season is that we've, we've seen this chant happening in stadiums and we've seen a real tilt shift in how clubs have reacted to it and what this has led to is that a couple of weeks ago as you mentioned the crown prosecution service so in the uk they're the people that decide what makes a crime have now denoted the um this particular homophobic chant as a hate crime bringing it in line with other forms of uh, abuse that we see in our stadiums so the kind of racism that we might see in our stadiums and things like that and it's a, it's it's quite a, a unbelievable moment really i mean in all my years of watching football of my family's years of watching football uh, this chant has been such a fabric of, yeah. of many uh, chelsea games that i've been to see that i've i've been in and around and um, to have it denoted, I think, as a as a hate crime now, as opposed to a piece of harmless banter, which is how it's always been seen. This idea yeah. of it being a joke and banter yeah. is um, is really uh, a big moment in football, and um, and it's got a lot of people talking for sure. Recalling different conversations that have occurred around this uh, chant over the years, like a lot of the conversation was, "No, it is it is hateful. No, it isn't. It's part of the culture." So does this does this decision by the CPS Essentially, and that like, are people still arguing that, oh, no, it's fine. It's just the culture of football is banter, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the debate is still kind of raging as to whether or not it is offensive. And I guess my answer to that would always be if you have to question whether or not <laughs> yeah, it's right. offensive, it probably is offensive, you know? <laughs> if people are upset, if the community is telling you that people are upset about it and people are probably upset about it for a reason. Yeah. And as I say, the roots of this chant comes from um, a very blatant homophobia towards uh, young gay men. And, uh, you know, what we've seen is that players, even when they leave the club, even when they leave Chelsea, when they sign for a new team, they are still uh, subject to, to hearing this chant in the stadium. So I think what this gives is that it gives a kind of validity now to um, many LGBT fans that have been saying for years that this chant is homophobic. Um, the Crown Prosecution Service coming out about this kind of gives it that stamp of, of saying that it, that it is so. And, and the statement that they gave around it was, was really hard line, you know, that this is disgusting behaviour, that these are so-called football fans uh, using this chant um, and it's really been spearheaded by the chair of the Chelsea LGBT fan network so Chelsea also known as Chelsea Pride uh, mm -hmm. Tracy Brown who's their co-chair has really spearheaded this alongside uh, Chris Powros who is 
the uh, chair of the LGBT Tottenham Supporters Network, so the Proud Lily Whites, and they've come together and they've shared lots of testimony about why this chant is offensive and why it's homophobic. And so now that kind of people power has seen that tilt shift uh, that I was talking about. Um, so hopefully it will put that debate to bed. But, you know, um, some people just like to argue the way into a paper bag to be honest with you. <laughs> Well, I guess I'm glad that it's finally understood that it is offensive, even though we already knew it was offensive, but nobody yes. was acknowledging that it's offensive. So I'm glad to hear that. But can you explain Stonewall's Rainbow Laces initiative and, and how that allyship actually helps move, like move things forward and how conversations help move it forward? Yeah, yeah. So Stonewall, um, as you mentioned before, is uh, Europe's biggest LGBT human rights organisation. So we work with businesses, with workplaces, with governments, uh, and we run campaigns. And it's like my total pleasure to lead on our sport work. And one of our biggest campaigns in our sporting work is our Rainbow Laces campaign. So that came around in around 2016, the first year we did it. And the, the clues in the name, right, we just get people to put on a pair of rainbow laces to show that you stand up for LGBTQ plus inclusion. And when we started it in 2016, you know, there was a kind of a pickup through the football clubs, people getting more and more into it. 2017, we started working with the Premier League really closely. And year upon year, we've just seen that campaign absolutely explode to now we're at a point where when it's rainbow laces uh, season, so it's around um, end of November, start of December, we just see every single football club activating, different sports activating. This year I had someone calling me up being like, Liz, we want to do a rainbow kayak. Can you sort us out a rainbow kayak? I'm like, I don't know if I can do that, but we can definitely get a sticker for the circle, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, but it's, it's so simple because it just is a, a simple gesture that says, yes, I'm going to put these laces on and I'm going to stand up for the LGBT community that exists in our game, outside our game, in our stadiums, um, on the pitch. But it's it's actually more than just a gesture now because we know that, um, uh, you know, certainly in the UK, LGBT hate crime is increasing and has been increasing mm. year upon year. And it's now a statement more than just a, more than just a signal of, of putting on those rainbow laces. So um, it, it allows allies to be a part of it. We see team captains wearing the rainbow armband, which is amazing. Um, so it's, it's it makes me very proud to be a, a football fan, actually, which having years of, of being a football fan as a gay woman, it's uh, not always the easiest thing to do, but um, I get very proud of our game when I see Rainbow Laces happen. Mm. Uh, you mentioned that the team-specific LGBTQ groups that, uh, that um, work within these kind of uh, fan structures, Chelsea Pride, uh, you mentioned, the Lily Whites, uh, Pride of Irons for West Ham. I, I know that you're not... Uh, a spokesperson for these groups, but could you describe like how they, how they work with teams to kind of make sure that uh, discourse like this doesn't happen and that uh, teams are as welcoming as they can be? Mm, yeah. I mean, you know, you've really got to give thanks, I think to the, the individuals that week in, week out, give up their time to run these kind of fan networks. It is always the unpaid labour often of individuals that care so much about their club, that care so much about their identity, that get out there, they get the rainbow flags in the stadiums. And, and, and now what is wonderful to see is that they're able to work with the clubs uh, very, very closely. So, you know, the, the way that a lot of our football clubs are set up, there's usually a diversity and inclusion team or a head or a manager that is out there speaking to the fan groups, listening to them, working with them, uh, making sure that we're able to create um, fantastic content for Rainbow Laces season but 
but also to speak up when it's necessary, you know, like we're talking about the Chelsea uh, chant and then um, Billy Gilmore, who is now playing for Norwich, although it's, it's transfer deadline day. So who knows yeah. where he's playing at the moment, <laughs> but was, was um, on loan from Chelsea to Norwich. And um, in, I think it was around September, was playing uh, down at Norwich and the Liverpool fans, it was a Liverpool-Norwich game. Yeah. And the Liverpool fans started this chant. And what was incredible to see is that a week after you've got Norwich coming out with a statement saying we don't accept this in our stadiums. LFC are coming out with a statement saying we don't accept this in our fans. Clap. Most importantly, yeah. exactly. Jurgen Klopp has sat down with um, Cop Outs, who are the LGBT supporters group for, for LFC, sitting down with them, having a conversation as, as to why we don't want to see this anymore in our game. And I'm like, oh my God, I would not have seen that, you know, five, six, seven years ago. So, um, so yeah, so it, getting that link in that these unpaid individuals, volunteers have with the clubs is phenomenal to see. So is that kind of what you had made a statement, um, something like you said, a quiet team doesn't win. So is that what you mean more so by a quiet team doesn't win when you have people s- standing up or speaking out? Yeah, 100%. 100%. You know, I um, we do quite a lot of sessions with uh, academies and with young people. And mm. uh, somewhat cynically, I think sometimes the way to get to their heart quickly when they're young athletes is to talk about how they can win. They just want to win. They want to be the best. They want to get yeah. professional <laughs> contracts. They want to be on it as soon as possible. And, um, and, I, and I talk to them about how, it, especially in football, it's a team sport, right? You've got to communicate. You, it's a quiet team doesn't win. But also in the world that we're in right now, if you are silent on these issues, if you are silent about race, if you are silent about LGBTQ+, then you're not winning either, right? And so, um, so yeah, I think the more we speak up about it, the better our game is going to be. So I, I won't shut up about that one, definitely. <laughs> Love it. Her name is Liz Ward, and she leads the workplace empowerment and community engagement teams at Stonewall in the UK, Europe's biggest LGBTQ organization. Liz, thank you so much for joining Take Line. Thank you. That's it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yep. Don't forget to give us the five-star ratings. Of and course. don't forget to subscribe to Take Line Show on YouTube for exclusive video clips from this episode, plus my digital series, All Caps NBA, which airs every Friday. Check All it out. Caps, no Goodbye. Cap. Take Line is a crooked media production show is produced by Zuri Irvin. Producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Our contributing producers are Caroline Reston, Elijah Cohn, and Jason Gallagher. Engineering, editing, and sound design by Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.